It's time for the Hockey Minute, your source for all your hockey news and some opinion. Strap in for the fastest news in the NHL. This episode is proudly brought to you by... Absolutely nobody. We don't have any sponsors. Now here's your hosts, Brandon and Ryan. Here we are. Welcome back to another edition of the Hockey Minute. I'm your host, Brandon. With me, as always, my co-host, Ryan. And today we've got David from the Down South Hockey Podcast to break down all things Nashville Predators. But first, please give us a rating on Apple. It really helps us grow the show. All right, before we get into our interview with David, let's check in with my co-host, our resident 2K star, Ryan. How you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm doing pretty good. 2K, that's about as much uh, as my car insurance is every year. Psyched for that. Uh, we're, I'm excited, man. Yeah, you mentioned David Goldie's on the show, so we're going to get into some Preds talk, which I'm excited for because this team uh, on paper is a, a pretty nasty team, and I'm looking forward to hearing what David's got to say about them. Yeah, let's let's bring him in. David, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm really excited to get to talk to you guys about the Preds and give you some background on them and what's been going on. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, figured we'd just kind of kick you off here with just life in general, man. How you been? Uh, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and a lot of unrest around the world, and uh, how are you handling everything? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, it's, it's touch and go every day, just kind of seeing what's happening, reacting to the different things, but all in all, um, uh, family's healthy, friends are healthy. So that's, that's all you can ask for. Just to, to swing it into the, the Nashville Predators a little bit. I mean, uh, like Ryan mentioned before we got on the call, you, you were kind of, uh, I guess you were lamenting the the loss of uh, P.K. Subban and wishing you can have him back on the team. I was hoping you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah, so I, I think it, it just it weakened our defense this year, especially um, by losing P.K. on our second pairing with Ekholm. It forced him to get paired up with uh, uh, basically a full-time rookie, uh, Dante Fabro. And it, it felt at times that we lost some of the benefit that Ekholm was bringing to the team because you think he was spending a lot more time having to uh, make up for some of Fabro's mistakes and kind of protect him a little bit. So it, it would have been nice to have still had PK around. Um, plus, he kind of brings a, a whole new element to the team, both on and off the ice. So uh, I think I think it was my brother, especially Mark, that was definitely was in that in that camp of wanting to. Uh, get pk back did uh did mark watch pk play this year or was he just watching his youtube channel because uh pk pk wasn't looking too good this year yeah i don't know if mark got a chance to watch any of the games i i think it might be one of those situations where you know uh, we we remember what we had and maybe not where he's <laughs> he's he's gone at this stage so Oh, that's that's fair enough. Um, that, you know, the other thing with with that PK Subban trade was that it cleared up cap space to get Matt Duchesne, which was kind of an open secret for like two years that he wanted to come in Nashville. Uh, I don't want to sound overly critical of Matt Duchesne, but it just seemed like he he seemed to underperform this year. He had forty two points in sixty six games, but uh, talk about the playoffs for Matt Duchesne because uh, there was the kind of the the mistake that he made going offside and then obviously the soundbite he had after where he sort of just downplayed that mistake as well yeah the playoffs started off really rough for for Duchesne I I don't know um, if you guys got to see that first game but he was involved in the first goal that the Coyotes scored it was a uh, a pass that hit Terrace's stick bounced up and hit Duchesne in the shoulder and then ricocheted into the back of the net over uh, Saros's uh, shoulder so it was kind of a weird fluky goal in that for the first three games that was kind of 
uh, Duchesne, he was pretty um, non-existent on the ice, it seemed like. Uh, it wasn't until the fourth game that you really started to see what we would have liked to have seen from Duchesne. Uh, and then the third game, like you said, was that offsides call. And I think it was kind of a weird setup because the media didn't get to talk to him until the very next day. And then he was like, oh, it was just an offside play. He kind of shrugged it off. It wasn't a big deal. Um, It was a very big deal in that specific (laughs) game. So I don't know really what he was doing because that game was tied 1-1 when uh, it was in the third period and the Preds would have gone up 2-1 with that goal if it had stood. Uh, He was clearly offsides. Um, Let me be clear there. I, I like to make sure to to be clear that there was no controversy at all on that offsides play. <laughs> Duchesne was offsides. Uh, I, it just, there was no reason for him to be offsides. And I think that was the big issue with what happened there. It was, you know, Yossi was leading the rush up with Turris on one side and Duchesne on the other. And there was no reason for him to have gotten into the zone early. Hmm. And for him to just kind of shrug it off was a little weird that next day. Well, you guys in Nashville know a thing or two about Matt Duchesne going off, uh, going offside, though, right? I mean, <laughs> we do. He his famous offsides is kind of probably why we have that offsides uh, review now. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's he. That was a. I, I keep seeing the pictures of that. It pops up every so often um, with how far offsides he was in that goal. On, on paper, the Preds have a pretty stacked team. I mean, you really you look at them and you think they should be a lot more competitive than, than they've been, and it seems like in the last couple of years they really haven't been able to find it. Do you, can you see them moving on from somebody like Kyle Turris, or, or, or are there any other moves that you can see that uh, that would immediately help this team? Yeah, so the team and, and David Poyle, the GM for the Preds, kind of got out and was basically saying that they need to get younger, which with the flat cap going into next year, they're going to have to get younger because they have all these got older guys on longer-term contracts. So they're going to have to bring in some of their young talent and kind of hopefully they're ready to, come, ready to go. The big thing this team needs is a second line. They need a couple players that can work with Matt Duchesne. And unfortunately, I think that leaves Kyle Turris out. Uh, he hasn't worked very well with Duchesne, and he's getting paid six mil a year. So putting him on your third or fourth line really just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, the rumors last year is they tried to trade him before the season. The rumors this summer, well, this break, I'm not really sure how to describe what we're in right now. <laughs> um, but before next year, before the season starts back up again, uh, the rumors are that the Preds will probably buy him out um, of his contract, and that way they can get some of the cap savings from doing that. So my thought is they're probably moving on from Kyle Turris. I tend to be a little bit of a Turris fan, so I'm a little disappointed in that. But at the same time, as he's gotten older, he doesn't really fit on a second line anymore. I think he's more of a a third line or lower player um, and to pay somebody 6 million in this cap situation is just a little bit too much. I wanted to to ask you about the offense of this team because I mean, for so many years it was guys like Shea Weber and Ryan Suter. And then they had Seth Jones for a brief period of time. It was very defense heavy, but I was looking at the numbers and I mean, Roman Yossi, he led the team in scoring by a pretty wide margin. And then I noticed Ryan Ellis had 38 points in 49 games 
and and he was good for fourth on the team in scoring so guys like ryan johansson who played essentially a full season for this shortened season um, guys like victor arvidson who i know was hurt but uh you know even a guy like michael granlin who was brought in to provide offense they couldn't seem to get that done was it a coaching philosophy or, or what what was the reason for the lack of offense from the forward group so yeah i, I blame it on the coaching uh Personally, you know, we had Peter Laviolette in uh, behind the bench to start the season, and his style of play is very much a take the shots from the point, get the bodies in front of the net, and try to score the rebounds and the dirty goals, uh, which lends yourself, I think, a little bit more to your Yossi's and your Ellis's. Uh, occasionally, one of those pucks will get through and they'll get a goal. The problem with that is it's a very incon- inconsistent way to get offense which is why I think the switch over to John Hines may start benefiting the team once he gets a full season in there and potentially benefiting the forwards, or at least that's my hope is it'll start benefiting the forwards because I think he stresses getting to more of the dirty areas on offense, getting more into your slot areas, getting more closer to the net and getting more of those goals rather than throwing the puck out to the point and letting the defensemen just shoot it on net and see what happens. So I'm kind of hoping that that's going to be what happens with John Hines is he's going to bring more of that to us. And you're going to see players like your Ryan Johansson's your Matt Duchesne's doing a lot more than what they did this year. Um, you know, possibly seeing somebody like, well, McCall Granlin's on the last year, year of his deal. And I don't think the predators are going to be able to resign him um, for what he was making. So, uh, if he was still around, it would benefit him, but uh, possibly uh, some of the younger players that the Preds might be bringing in. What's your take on Ryan Johansson? Do you think he still has what it takes to be a number one center? Yes. I think he showed us a little bit about what he has still in the um, in the playoffs. He was, he was reunited with Forsberg and Arvidsson, and he had spent most of the season without those two players. And I think in the playoffs... Honestly, they were the line that drove the Predators so far. And in the past, that's the line that has driven the Predators in the playoffs, has been the the three of them together. So I think if we can leave them together, I think he's going to be fine. Um, I think he's he's somebody that can still deliver for us. Uh, I don't know... Uh, I don't know. It's it definitely he had the fire in the playoffs. So if he can harness that for a full season, um, I think he he he'll be perfect for what we need. Just going back to that Granlund uh, for Fiala trade, and he, you just mentioned Granlund's probably gone. Fiala looked like he found a, a good home in Minnesota. Now, oftentimes, and, and uh, listen, I'm a Capitals fan. We saw this with Philip Forsberg when we traded. Uh, Forsberg to Nashville and he popped off for 30 goals and it was like oh my gosh the Caps really messed up personally I'm of the mind that I don't think under the the Dale uh, Hunter and and Adam Oates era that Forsberg would have been a 30 goal scorer is it kind of the same with Fiala like obviously there's a little bit of regret maybe in that trade but do you think that the change of scenery was what benefited him and not so much that he just was way better than what you guys saw Absolutely. I think it was the change of scenery. Uh, there was something going on with Fiala in the locker room. We we were hearing rumblings of something, but never anything that was confirmed, never anything that grew to the level of, oh, this is he he's on the outs or anything like that. It wasn't a surprise to me that he got moved, uh, but I think we knew the talent was there. He was interesting, a, a player that really benefited when Turris came to town. He was on a line um, when Turris first 
came into town um, with uh, Craig Smith, Cal Turris, and, and Kevin Fiala. And the three of them just lit it up to start off that. Uh, it was about a, a month or two when he first got into town. They were uh, scoring a point per game, I think. I'm not sure what the actual stat was that year. And then they just completely fell apart in the playoffs. And we, for a while, thought we had a second line. Um, and then and then they just fell apart. So he's he's always had the talent, and I think we always knew it was there. I think he just – it was time for him to move on to a new team. One of the, the trademarks to David Poyle seems to be that, that no player gets a, a no-move or, or limited no-move, anything like that, except for Pekka Rene when, it, when I'm looking over your team. So uh, Pekka Rene signed until 2021, the same that uh, UC Soros is, and that's going into the offseason where Seattle is going to be uh, doing the expansion draft. So – what is, what's, what's your take on the future of goaltending there? I mean, obviously, it seems like UC Saros is going to be the number one going forward. Uh, what, what's going to happen with Rene? Um, UC Saros is probably the number one going forward. I think next season we might see kind of what we were seeing this season. Um, actually, probably a little bit more in, in Saros's favor. I think it started uh, the season before last where they started to, Saros started to get more starts and Pekka started to get rested a little bit more. And it's something we kind of look at each season, like how many starts, uh, percentage starts are, is Pekka going to get versus Soros? Um, I, I think uh, Pekka will be, if he wants to stay a Predator, if he wants to retire as a Predator, uh, I think they'll make it work. Whether or not that means he's serving as a backup to UC, I think that's that's going to be his choice, whether or not he wants to try to go on and find another team that he can start on or if he wants to stay a Predator. But I think from the Nashville Predators perspective, if he wants to sign on again, he's he's more than welcome to. So um, I think they'll wait until, you know, Saros will be the guy that they'll lock up and will protect in the expansion draft. Uh, and then, you know, wait until that's over and decide whether or not they can sign Pekka to a one-year or two-year deal for, um, I don't know, I, I can't. Is he making two million, three million this year? I can't remember what. He's making five million. Five million. Five million. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. It's Soros that's making one point five million. That's the number that's going to start going up. So um, it's that's going to be the the question is what they what is Pekka going to want to stay and how much are the Preds going to be able to pay him? I don't think you can with the flat cap and especially if it stays this way again next year. I don't think the Preds will be able to afford to pay him. Five million, especially with UC likely getting a raise. Yeah, there's certain types of like there's certain players that are just kind of legacy players, and and I think Apeka, I can't imagine him in another uniform. But I mean, it's got to be really good for UC Saros, being that he's a Finnish, uh, you know, younger Finnish goaltender. Probably, I mean, if I had to guess, probably looked up to Pekka in some way, shape, or form uh, as a child. Um, I mean, at the very least, could you see the Predators just maybe giving Pekka whatever he wanted, uh, within reason, of course, but whatever he wanted just to stay and, and kind of be a big brother to Saros and as well. I mean, again, Nashville, it's not like their their windows uh, closing, right? I mean, the team is, is still very good on paper. Yeah, I, I think I recently used the, the terminology. I think their window is starting to close, but it's not closed yet. Um, I, you've got some of their longer term contracts. Some of those players are starting to, uh, get a little bit past their prime. Um, but I still think they have, you know, maybe a couple more years, maybe 
two, three, four years where they're going to have some shots. So I, you know, again, I, I do think that they will try to work with Pekka to try to keep him on board. If that's something that Pekka wants to do, I mean, he's 37 years old right now. So, you know, you're looking at how many more years does he really want to play? Uh, but going back to your, your point about him being kind of like a franchise player, I think everybody in that room would love to get Pekka, uh, you know, uh, get him the Stanley Cup at one point in time if they could. So, you know, it, it may be a good driving force to have him around and, you know, kind of a, I hate to say it, but a, a play for Pekka kind of situation. You know, let's let's win it for Pekka. You know, maybe a driving force in in the locker room. Oh, I think every team does a yeah. Everybody's got some guy. Uh, the, earlier on, you you mentioned uh, the Preds having to get a little bit younger, and I mean, just looking over the roster, you've got Dante Fabro at 22 years old. He's the only guy under 25, and that only 25-year-old is UC Soros. After that, they're all just you know graybeards, right? So, uh, who are some of the, uh, the the younger bloods that are coming up to uh, to take some take some spots? Yeah, so you're gonna see the likelihood is one of two of these guys, if not both of them. Um, Ellie Tolvanen is probably gonna get a shot this year. Uh, interesting, the Preds just uh, loaned him back to his KHL team mm-hmm. for the next couple months until training camp starts back up. So he's going to be playing out there just to kind of get some playing time. The other name that people are very high on is this uh, Philip Tomasino. He's um, he's been playing in the OHL and just lighting it up. So that's those are going to be some two two forward names, two young names that could possibly come up and help out right away. We saw this year uh, Yakov Trenin. Uh, he's 23 years old, and I would expect to see more of him next year. He's yeah, he's kind of a a little bit of a bigger, probably like more like a fourth line forward. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but he got into a fight with uh, Chara from the Bruins and uh, buckled him at one point. So he's he's no fear in that guy, which is something that I think the Preds could use a little bit of a little bit. Um, some more physicality would be helpful for that team. So. Um, those are the guys kind of on, uh, from the forward perspective, you might see, uh, defense wise, uh, people have been talking a lot about this Alexander Carrier. We've seen him up in Nashville for a game or two. Uh, another name is, uh, Frederick Allard and then Jeremy Davies. He's another guy that'll probably get a look in training camp. Uh, he's one of the players that came over in that PK deal. Uh, so it, those are kind of some names that I think they'll look to see. Uh, Philip Tomasino is going to be the one I'm really interested to see on the ice because we haven't seen him yet uh, in a Predators uniform outside of last year's training camp. So Yeah, I know. I was just looking up uh, Tomasino's stats, too. You're right. He, he absolutely tore up the OHL this year. I'm curious about your thoughts on David Poyle. I mean, I, I know Brian Burke has mentioned that, uh, you know, there's certain things that every GM – every gym wants to to be a part of and one of those is an expansion team but now this must be david poyle's oh i don't know 20 something year as a as an expansion gm i mean is there ever any pressure on him for his job or do you think he's just going to be kind of a lifer there until he wants to retire i this one's a tough one for me i you know i think he kind of fits into that the lifer kind of as long as you know he wants to do it he's gonna he's gonna continue in in nashville but at some point in time you can't keep doing what he's been doing. Uh, he continues to go all in on this team and making some very interesting deals at times. I mean, 
I know I defended the Fiala for Granlin deal, but looking back on that, that has to be a failure for him. Um, he traded a first round pick a couple years back to get Ryan Hartman at the trade deadline and then turned around and flipped him the next year to get Wayne Simmons. And it's just, he's making some of these deals that look like they will help the team at the time. And then they turn out not to work. And that doesn't even get into the, uh, Kyle Turris deal, which some people, you know, are really disappointed. We gave up that young defenseman, uh, Gerard, who's now with Colorado, um, in that deal. So it, he's been struggling a little bit with the deals, but he, you know, the Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson deal, you've got the uh, uh, Shea Weber for PK deal. And then, uh, you know, it, it's been a while since he's really struck one of these deals very, you know, in the Preds favor. And uh, I, I just, it, that one's a tough one for me. I, I think he's going to be able to stay as long as he wants to stay. But at the same time, there's some rumblings or some bumps in the road that have happened lately that I could see him start to, you know, or see maybe ownership start to take a look at some other options for his job. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Poyle has been there since day one, has he not? Like he's the only GM in franchise history. That's correct, yes. he's Yeah. He was the first and the only one, so... And he's only on his his third head coach at this stage. So uh, Barry <laughs> Trotz was there for a long, long time. And then uh, Peter Laviolette was there for a little while. And now we're on to John Hines. But I feel like Peter Laviolette overstayed his welcome by about a year. Um, <laughs> but I think everywhere Peter Laviolette goes, I think that's the case, it seems like. so. If you look at his history, though, and I, sorry to sidetrack on that one, but if you look at his history with teams, he comes in, he has some pretty immediate success in, after the first or second year, and then it's just downhill from there. And it just repeats, and it, 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 it did here in Nashville. So He's going to be great with the caps, though. You watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say, like the one thing about him, yeah, he, he took over in Philly year one, went to the finals, and then he started telling the guys, oh, I don't want you guys partying, and then he pretty much was the reason for Richards and Carter to be shipped out and then lost the room, and then they moved him over to Nashville and takes the team to the finals, and then it sounded like he kind of lost the room there as well. So, look, after the last two playoff runs for Washington, just getting to the finals would be a win enough, I think. So if he wants to jump on board, I'm happy with that. Do you want to just do a quick uh, thought on the rest of the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. So uh, from, you know, I I'm I follow the Western Conference a little bit more than the Eastern Conference. So, you know, from the playoff perspective, I think this one's going to either be, and I know I say this because the Stars just uh, beat Colorado, but I really do think it's going to be either Colorado or, or, or Vegas in the finals from the Western Conference. Uh, I'm pulling for out of the Eastern Conference, the Islanders. Uh, but I think Boston's going to be a strong contender over there too. So um, if I had to pick it, I, I think Colorado's going to win it. That was kind of where I was I was kind of leaning. I don't have anything to really back that up, any stats or anything like that, but that's just kind of my gut call. It's just such a copycat league, right? I'd, I'd love to see Colorado win just to see teams <laughs> emulate that fast style. It's like the same reason I'd, I'd only, the only reason I'd like to see Toronto win ever is just because of the, the style that they play, right? You want other teams to pick that up. I actually picked the Islanders to come out of the East as well, and I'm just I'm praying that they don't win because I, I hate to see that lockdown defensive garbage. 
<laughs> well, I think didn't you have the uh, the Avs too, right? So I thought I had Stars and Avs. Pardon me, the Stars and the Islanders. I'd, I'd have to go back and listen. Okay, I, I just can't pick the Stars for anything right now. They booted us last year, and then that Winter Classic <laughs> game was just rough. So I just I can't do it. Who's uh, I guess the Blackhawks are kind of the main Central Division rival, right? Like yeah. Yeah, that would be one of our our biggest rivals. Um, so we've been the last couple of years. We've been a little bit stronger than them. Although it's hard for me to say that when they made it into the playoffs out of the qualifying round and we didn't. So, well, that doesn't really count because they played the Oilers in that playoff okay. round so, or that play-in <laughs> round. So, it's a, yeah, it's not it's not quite the same thing. They didn't beat uh, you know the the Golden Knights or anything. All right, David, that's going to do it for us, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Absolutely. Uh, The podcast is Down South Hockey Podcast. We're on Apple and all the normal podcasting uh, programs. Uh, On Twitter, you can find us at at DSH Show. And if you want to send us an email, it's at downsouthhockey at gmail.com. Beautiful. Well, thanks again, Dave, for coming on the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. From Ryan and Brandon, we'll catch you next time on the Hockey Minute. We'd like to take a second to thank you, the listener, for joining us. And a big thanks goes to our writers and production team, Jules, Mark, and Matt. We couldn't do this without you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Hockey Minute, as well as leaving voicemails on our anchor page, at Hockey Minute. And always make sure to subscribe to whichever platform you listen to your podcast. That's going to do it for us. This is Brandon and Ryan. We'll talk to you next time on The Hockey Minute. Awesome, David. Well, all right. Brandon, you want to just tee us up? Yeah, for sure. All right, that's what I was doing, you motherfucker. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.